Welcome to Run 12-1 Podcast. I'm your host, Pastor Justin Gowen. Well, it's Pastor Justin again with Run 12-1 Podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today for this next episode in the Book of Acts, as we've been walking through chapter by chapter, pausing sometimes multiple times in each chapter to really just just paint a broad stroke. And sometimes it's not even a broad stroke of the chapter. Sometimes it's it's pretty intense details that we've been looking at. And by God's grace, it's it's been helping people not only just understand the Word of God better, but uh, grow in their relationship with Christ, but also understand what our calling is, what our duty is as Christians. Remember, Run 12.1 podcast stands for, or it really is piggybacking off of Hebrews chapter 12.1, well, where the Word of God tells us that we are all in a race. As Christians, we're all in the same marathon, but yet we all run our own lane, so to speak, our own, not necessarily our own pace, but we have our own lane that God has called us into. He tells us to run with patience, to race that is set before us, laying aside every weight and sin that does so easily beset us, run with patience, and looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher, uh, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured, endured the cross. And so he had a finish line. He had a race and he ran that race for you and I. The joy that was set before him, not only was the glory of the father, but also you and I, the joy. He saw you at the finish line and he ran to, to run his race, to offer salvation for you. We are all called to run a certain race and it's always for the glory of God, but also for the gospel. With that being said, <clears throat> Acts chapter 10, we left off in Acts chapter 9, and we finished it with really just asking a simple question. Are you living a life that really actually impacts people around you? How did that go? How was that last week's episode for you? Seriously. You have to maybe pause right now and go back and listen to episode number 21 to really ask that question. Have you thought and pondered? Not just your answer to that question. But what would people actually say about you? What would people actually say? Now, you're always going to have people that are, you know, could be rude or mean, but the bulk of people, what, what would they say? Will they agree with what you say about yourself? Will they agree with your activeness in your community as a Christian? Well, I mean, one way to find out is, is if you're bold enough to do it, <clears throat> go ask them. But this week, this week we're looking at Acts chapter 10 and almost the whole entire chapter and it's a beautiful picture of how the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ, is meant for everyone, every race, every people group. No one is excluded from the gospel. No one is. And we see this. At the end, we, we're, we're, you'd miss it if you weren't paying attention. I've read this before, multiple times before. It was years ago that I that, that God hit me straight between the eyes. Maybe you've had moments like that as you're reading the Bible, and it's like, that has always been there. I'm just now seeing it, right? And this was years ago that God did this, and I made a note in my Bible about it, but it's redundant in chapter 10, but we finish in verse chapter 9 and verse 43, and it says, it came to pass that he, talking about Peter, tarried many days in Joppa with one Simon a tanner. You know what a tanner's job was? A tanner's job was a leather worker. 
Now, if you think about Jews, and Peter was a Jew, and you think about what they refrained from, they refrained from that type of living, that type of uh, interaction with people, dead things, and just being around that type of death. But yet the gospel has a way of changing our hearts in order to not see people as we saw them before, or to see dirtiness, if you may, as we saw it before, or apprehensive to talk to people that we wouldn't talk to before. But now this side of salvation, we would. Simon the Tanner is the last place before Peter was saved that you'd find Peter. But because of the gospel, he's reaching out, he's impacting his community. So continuing there, the bulk of this chapter 10 is about a man in verse one. It says, there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band of the Italian band. So one legion was 6,000 men. One centurion was in charge of 100 men. There was 60 centurions make up one legion. So 600 men equals one band. I did this research. And that may not make sense. But this man was a, a bare minimal in charge of 600 men, one band. He was in charge of So a pretty important individual. Now, we've learned in verse 2 that he was a God-fearing man. He, he understood and was a follower of the Old Testament religion. Not He wasn't a saved man in the mindset of receiving the gospel. But we learn in verse 2, he was a devout man and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. He was, was a good guy. Not even a Christian. I mean, not, 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 not even a Jewish guy. He was a Roman guy of the Italian band. But yet, nonetheless, he was a good guy. He understood the Jewish tradition. He, he even feared God. But yet this man still yet was saved. He had yet to receive Christ. And, and I just want to pause and stop and say something. Ask yourself this question. Are you saved? And, and please don't take that as me being rude by me asking you, but I've had a lot of people recently in my pastorate that I've, that I've had the joy of pastoring, and some of them I don't even pastor. Just I've talked with them just living in the town I've lived in, and, and most people think that they're saved, that they're a Christian. Please do Jesus the service of don't just saying, okay, cool. Ask another question or two. Ask them, well, what do you mean by Christian? Because the Bible tells us what the word means in Acts chapter 11. But being a Christ father, what does that mean? And then when they they can run that road, or if they say saved, yes, I'm saved, to say, well, then how are you saved? Like, how did you go from not being saved to being saved? And that will really unfold for you if this person truly is a believer or not. Because, and it's not judging them. They may take it as that, but yeah, I hope you love them enough to say, hey, I just really want to know, are you saved? Well, then how did you go from not being saved to being saved? You know, the Bible only has one answer for that question. One answer. And I think it, 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 people see some shortened version of it, something we call in the Bible called systematic theology. We take a phrase, a word, or an idea, and we study it out in its, in its entirety of how it's used in Scripture. And when I say that is the word believe. The word believe has been used. You must believe in the gospel, believe on Jesus. And so people, and then, so, so there's shortened versions of that, but then there's also texts that explain what that believing process is. And one of which, and I think the most potent of it is in Romans chapter 10, verses nine and 10. And it says this, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth, the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God had raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And in fact, Acts chapter number three, verse 19, Peter, another man who has preached 
right after the man, the lame man that John and Peter went up in the hour to pray and he was alms for the poor. And they said, silver and gold have we none, but as we do, we give unto you. And the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, stand up and walk. So they were giving them the gospel of Jesus Christ, the only one who can change life and heal life. And people are astonished and now they grew a crowd. So Peter preaches the gospel. And at the end, he calls them to repent. Verse 19, repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out wherein the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. So when we start putting all these pieces of the puzzle together, we understand that for one to be saved, what, what Romans says, Acts 3 says, and every other time in scripture that it just maybe just compiles it into one word, believe, we have to take all that into account to understand that there is an actual process. The word believe isn't just an intellectual understanding about God. And this is the scary part. So please hear me. Most people have an intellectual understanding. With the heart, man, believe within the righteousness is what Paul says here. And knowledge and understanding that Jesus is real, that Jesus lived, that Jesus died, that Jesus rose from the grave, that he is the son of God. Now, it's important that we believe that, that we understand that. Now, you may not understand it in its totality, that you have to understand Christology, soteriology, all these ologies in order to be saved. But you have to believe enough that Jesus was the son of God, that he said who he said he was, that the Bible says who he said he was, and that he did live for you that he did die specifically for your sins, and he rose the third day, and that by receiving that by faith, you'll be saved. And so the Bible, so by taking that, and so it comes with repentance of sin, meaning a turning from sin, repenting and saying, I, God, I'm repenting of all of my sin, and I'm receiving by faith Jesus Christ, your son, as my Lord and Savior. Now, why do I say that that has to be said? Because if you notice what Paul said, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth, Romans 10, 9, you have to say it out loud to God. You have to pray this to God. It doesn't say in your mind, think it. It doesn't say tattoo it on your body. It doesn't say just internally pray it. It says, confess it with your mouth. The word confess is the Greek word homolegeo, which literally means to say it out loud the same thing as. So there's no way around this. God does have a process. So let me ask you, have you done God's process? It's not a work. It's not a work at all, but it is a process that you have to follow. You just aren't saved automatically because of Christ's death. And just by believing that he died, because hear me, Satan believed that Jesus died. I mean, shuck, Satan was there in the garden. He knows about sin. He knows Jesus lived perfectly. He tried to tempt Jesus and failed miserably. <laughs> miserably. I mean, Matthew 4. We know that Satan believes in the exact good theology of who Jesus is, but yet he's not saved. And so you must pray out loud to God to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And I say that because as in Acts chapter number 10, we see this. We see this man that is uh, the Italian band. He's a, he, he's, <clears throat> he is a, a uh, most likely Roman individual. And that's why I said at the beginning of this, the gospel is for everyone, every race, every people group. It doesn't exclude anybody. God is not a racist God or what have you. The gospel, Jesus died for everyone, every skin color, every social class of individuals. And, he, and, 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 and so Peter has this vision, number one, it was told to Cornelius that he'll find this Peter in uh, in verse six, he said, he's lodged with one Simon at Tanner. It's got to get pretty specific. Like he's not, you're, you're not just going to go down there. I'm going to tell you where he's at. He's by the seaside <clears throat> and he's at a guy's house named Simon and Simon's job, he's a Tanner. He's a leather maker guy. So you'll find this guy who's going to share with you the gospel. You're going to find him here. 
And so he does that. He goes there. In the meantime, on the other side, Peter then has a vision while he's there. And he's got about, you know, before dinner time or lunchtime, he has this vision. And this vision of this big sheet, this big white knitted sheet comes down from heaven. And it says, uh, and, and, and all manner of verse 12, wherein all manner of four footed beast on the earth and wild beast of, and creeping things and fowls of the air. They, they, they were on it coming down. And there came a voice to him saying, rise, Peter, kill and eat. Now, in the moment, Peter is still in the mindset of the Old Testament law. There were certain animals that, that, that they were to refrain from. Now, it's not in the, mental, in the mentality that, that, that cleft-footed animals were bad. I believe it to be a dietary understanding. Also, there were some sacrificial systems done by the worldly individuals that used certain individuals, I mean, used certain animals that they would use in order to worship their God. So God wasn't saying inherently a pig is bad. But my people, I'm not going to allow you to do this because I don't want you to follow the pagans. And also, you don't understand cooking temperatures. You don't understand health reasons. There's some different type of animals that you got to cook pretty decently in order not to get sick. There's some dietary laws that God put in place, sanitary laws. But now God's saying, listen, I mean, we're over time. You got this. Peter, get up, eat. You can eat all these animals. They're clean now. Physically, God was saying that literally, but also painting a picture. Why? Because once Peter woke up, he's confused about what he what what he had um, just just understood. Verse seventeen. Now, while Peter doubted in himself, he's like, "What in the world does this all mean?" In this process, Cornelius has been made his way, and he has now come to the house where Peter is. And Peter just woke up, and then the whole conversation takes place. Cornelius explains to him what he had heard in his vision. Peter is now understanding, oh, I understand why God gave me that vision. And so he's seeing that everybody, every people group, every quote-unquote four-footed beast, everything around is able, it's clean, can partake of it, aka every people group. Don't just share the gospel with Jews, Peter. Share it with the Gentiles as well. And so Cornelius is saved and then he's baptized. And so it's important. But here's another thing I want you to see. Verse six, he says, he lodged with one Simon a tanner whose, who, whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. Meaning Peter is going to explain to you out loud the gospel. In verse 34, when it actually happens, it said, then Peter opened his mouth and said of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. Meaning, uh, there you go. God is not racist. In verse 36, the word which God has sent unto the children of Israel, preaching peace by Jesus Christ. That word I say, there's this whole conversation, you know, which he published throughout all Judea. And so where there's this theme that the gospel has to be spoken to a lost person. So a Christian must then express verbally the gospel to somebody in order for that somebody to be saved. Romans 10, 17, for, for by, uh, so, so faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. You have to, friend, in order for your wife, in order for your husband, in order for your son, your daughter, your grandchildren, your next door neighbor, your coworker, whatever the case may be, in order for them to get saved, hear me, they have to hear the gospel, not read it, not, 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 uh, uh, you know, just someday it's going to slap them upside the head. They got to hear the verbal gospel. And that's what our duty is to verbalize the gospel. And once we verbalize it, and hear me, the gospel isn't just Jesus loves you. Yes, Jesus loves you, but that doesn't save anybody. You got to explain them out of love. What did Jesus do? You got to explain to them the sin, why Jesus came, their specific sin. They got to understand his life, his death, his resurrection. Those things have to be explained. And then you have to call them to the process of responding to the gospel. Repentance and praying out loud to God to receive what they just heard, a.k.a. the gospel. 
They must reiterate the gospel back to God in order to be saved. Romans 10, 9, and 10. That is a true gospel conversation. And so I just want to help you and encourage you today. The gospel is for everyone. God is not a respecter of person. The gospel has always been for everyone, every race, every people group. But that the gospel also, in order for somebody who was lost to be saved, they have to hear the gospel. And that's where we come in as Christians. We must speak the entirety of the gospel, and then we must call them to an action of response to the gospel. A repentance followed by faith receiving of Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. I hope this is clear. I mean, I've tried to be as clear as I possibly can. Go out there, share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Call people to repentance and faith in Jesus Christ, and you will start seeing salvation. And then start discipling them of how to pray, how to read their Bibles, how to get active in a church. Don't pawn them off to somebody. You do the due diligence of teaching them these things. How do you pray? Go to Matthew 6. How do we read our Bibles? Understand the process of hermeneutics. Romans 12, Ephesians, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, the spiritual gifts. Walk through it with them and ask them, which ones may, which one do you, or which one, one or two may be your bulk? And now you got, the reason why you have been gifted this is so you can serve at a, not multiple, but at a local body of Christ where God places, First Corinthians, God places members as it so pleases him. And so they have to, you have to teach them to pray, God, where do you want me to be a member at? To use the gift that you've gifted me with. You know, that, that's, that's discipleship. That is what happens. So God bless. This is Pastor Justin Goins with Run 12-1 Podcast. God bless. Thanks for taking the time to listen to Run 12-1 Podcast. Run your marathon race that God has placed you in. God bless. Mm-hmm.